church through this awesome technology. So God bless you and thank you for joining us today. I want to read from Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 3. We welcome our guests today. We're so glad you're here, and thank you for coming and being a part of Grace Church. We welcome Abby today. This is um, our latest, newest member, and if you've not had a chance to get acquainted with her, you need to because she's beautiful, and uh, we're glad to have her today, uh, and pray that God's blessing will be wrapped around her all of her life. Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Everybody say Simon the leper. And he, Jesus, being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. I also want to point out to you in this reading that in another place in Scripture, the Bible referred to Simon as a Pharisee. So Jesus is in the house of a leper slash Pharisee. And we'll come to that in just a few moments. As he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you shall, you, you will, uh, you may do them good. But me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body for the burying. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning, just simply the broken box. The broken box. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. As I just mentioned, and as we are saying farewell to... 2015, 2016 is right around the corner, and as the Bible continues to come to pass in front of our face every single day, our world is being hurled into the tribulation period, the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon, etc. Our time as a church to be effective for the kingdom of God is getting less and less, obviously. It's not a time to be less committed. It's not a time to play around with the church. It's not a time to play with the kingdom of God. And if there's anybody here today on any level that's straddling the proverbial fence, it's time to make a decision. I love what Joshua said when he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and it's incumbent on every person in this house today to make that level of commitment. And as we preach commitment this morning, when I refer to the broken box, I realize that when this nameless woman came to the house of Simon the leper, who was a Pharisee, to see Jesus, to 
make a commitment of worship to Jesus. This whole dynamic, it would take hours to try to divulge even part of it. This whole dynamic is just phenomenal to me. But I realized where she came that day, she only had one box, a alabaster box, which is the material it was made out of, and uh, kind of a porcelain type material, if you will. And on the inside of it was a fragrance or an incense or a perfume. It would be like breaking a bottle of perfume, an expensive bottle of perfume. And you only get to break it one time because once it's broken, the fragrance is out of the bottle and you can't get it back. So I realized that this was a once in a lifetime event for her. But I believe as far as you and I and the application of this today, we have various boxes in our lives that need to be broken. <clears throat> I believe today there's different levels of commitment. For example, I believe when someone who has never gone to church in their life and they make a commitment to just attending church, they may not understand the Bible, they may not understand basic truths, they may not even understand basic Christian lifestyle, but they've made a commitment to come to church on a regular basis and God honors it. And then when people make a commitment to start paying their tithes, which is a commitment some of you folks need to make today, and I'm not saying that for my behalf, but I'm saying it for yours. But that's a commitment. It's a breaking of the box, if you will. It's given to Jesus something that you've struggled with a long time and given to him. Worldliness and sin can be a box that we can break. Habits can be a box that we can break, whether it be nicotine, alcohol, uh, Facebook, television, anything that's a habit that's not pleasing to God. Prayer is an awesome commitment to make to God. Worship is an awesome commitment we can make to God. Ministering to people. Someone shared with me just this week an awesome moment of ministering to somebody away from this campus. Had an opportunity, I believe it was in Walmart, to minister to somebody about some trouble and problems they were having in their lives. Soul winning is an awesome commitment. And then there's a commitment we can make if we've been hurt, if we're bitter, what have you, unforgiving, we can make a commitment that God, I'm going to get past that today. I'm gonna to get past that today. I'm gonna to resume normal. I'm gonna resume attitude, lifestyle, commitment, prior to the hurt. That's called reconciliation and then into restoration is what that's called. What God desires from us more than anything else is total commitment no matter what our level of spirituality may be. So if you're just starting out and learning to pay your tithes for the first time, God bless you and keep that commitment and strive for the next level of commitment. If you've given up a habit, God bless you. Strive for the next level of commitment you understand. God is not interested, listen to pastor today. God is not interested in partial involvement nor conditional service. 
not situational commitment. But what God desires is people who will leave everything else behind in order to serve him with all of their heart. God is looking for people who are willing to obey his word in totality and live exemplary lives and do those things because they are committed to him based on a love relationship with him. God values commitment. Another word you may use for commitment is discipleship. The disciples were committed to Jesus whether they understood him or not, whether they understood what he was doing or not, whether he reprimanded them or not, whether he offended them or not. They stayed committed. Everybody said amen. Preaching everybody here today. So God values holiness. Yes, he does. But he also values commitment. He values talent, but he values commitment. He values perfection, but he values commitment. He values giving, but he also values commitment. He values consistency, but he also values commitment. Commitment, in my point of view, is the ultimate test of any relationship. Try being as committed to your spouse as you are to God and see how your marriage goes. Use your same level of commitment that you have with God towards parenting your children and see how they turn out. All these folks that like to put jobs and school and all that stuff ahead of God, ahead of church attendance, ahead of paying tithes, ahead of being faithful, you're making a mistake. I've pastored long enough. I've been in Pentecost long enough, and I've seen the pattern. I know a set of parents today who are neither one are serving God that told us very forthrightly that education is a greater priority in the lives of their children than God is. If I had time, I'd explain to you where that family's at today. Nothing, nothing even on a temporary basis, is more important than God. Your education and your career is not going to save you when the trumpet sounds. You can make it as important as you want, but you need to be in the house of God faithfully. And if you're not, then don't expect your children to be. This is a very pastoral sermon today, as anybody noticed. Commitment produces all the necessary characteristics needed to serve God successfully. You can add any component to what you call your relationship to God that you want. But if it's not a committed relationship, it's not going to last and it's not going to be fruitful. Let me give you an example. In Matthew chapter 19, I'm just going to read the story. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what, what thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. That's commitment to the commandments. Keep it. He said unto him, Which ones? That's an awesome question. And that question is asked all the time today. What do I have to do? What is the bare minimum that I have to do to be right with God? He said, Which one? <clears throat> 
And I think that's an interesting question. Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness or lie, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. I'm sure that Jesus read these particular commandments, not because that's what everybody has to do to inherit eternal life, but this was the most relevant to that young man. These were the areas where he was struggling. So apparently he had trouble not killing people and not committing adultery and not stealing and not lying. And he probably didn't think much of his mom and dad either and couldn't stand his neighbors. Y'all get the point? Why am I feel like I'm preaching to just a bunch of empty chairs here this morning? The young man said, I've done all this stuff since I was a kid. What do I still lack? Boy, he's setting himself up, man. Keep asking the questions. Jesus is going to keep honing in on you, buddy. And you're probably not going to be real happy with the answer. So Jesus said, if you'll be perfect or complete, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And the young man heard that. And he went away just heartbroken for he had great possessions. See, he served God all of his life, but in one area. And it cost him his relationship with Jesus. Here's a man who kept the law, was morally pure from his youth up, yet lacked the commitment to abandon everything the world had to offer and to follow Jesus by faith. And his lack of commitment cost him his relationship. I would submit to you today that before we can truly follow Jesus, we must completely separate ourselves from worldliness, sin, unfaithfulness, inconsistency, etc., etc., etc. It's commitment. You serve God all the time, not just on Sunday. And just because you're obeying a set of commandments... That doesn't really mean you have a relationship either. Try to build a marriage just not by committing adultery. But honey, I don't cheat on you. Shouldn't that produce a happy marriage? I'm faithful. I come home every day. I work and I provide for the family. Shouldn't that do it for marriage? No. A thousand times no. There's far more to it than that. The problem I have with legalism slash Phariseeism is it's a rule-based relationship thing. And a lot of people interpret our lifestyle as a rule-based thing, and I teach against that. It's a love-based thing. I do not not cheat on Sister Murphy, not because it's a rule. I do it because I love her. Does everybody understand that principle? One man said one time, you can't steal second base with your foot on first. You can't have the best of both worlds. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Jesus even said, no man can serve two masters. But many people try to straddle the fence and they try and to maintain some kind of God connect and they try to maintain and connect with the past, the world, the pleasures of sin and serve God at the same time. It doesn't work. It's like dating people when you're married. It's not going to work. Do I sound just really stupid? I don't think I do because people try this balance and act with Jesus. You know, I can cheat periodically and he won't mind. Try that on your spouse. 
All it takes is once. James said that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. More than anything, God desires our total commitment to him. And you say, Pastor, I have separated myself from the world and my actions, my dress, my conduct, etc. Isn't that enough? No, it's not. You have to be separated from the world, but then be separated unto the kingdom. We don't live some form of a holiness-based celibate life just for the sake of obeying a rule. I want to do what I do in the kingdom, not rule-based, but because I love Jesus and I want to serve him. I want him to please him. I want him to be happy with me one day. I want to hear those two words one of these days, well done. If I can just hear those two words, hallelujah to God. Somebody break the box today. Abraham was called out of Ur to go to Canaan, but he stopped in Haran and stayed there until his daddy died. He was out of Ur. Yes, he was, but he wasn't in Canaan. There's a difference. The Israelites left Egypt. They were out of Egypt, but they weren't in Canaan. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Our good works don't please God. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. It's a love base. I love him, and so I am committed to him. When we withhold nothing from him, when we let nothing stand in our way, when we put nothing above Jesus, that is when he is pleased. So back to Mark 14. Who was that woman? I don't believe it was Mary. First of all, Mary, the the sister of Martha that I taught about a couple of Wednesday nights ago. It wasn't her. Because the Bible said that Mary and Martha had that exchange, and they were in the house of Lazarus. This was in the house of Simon the leper. So it's a different woman. It's a nameless woman. And as Jesus said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box, and she poured it on her head. In Luke chapter 37, behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. I don't believe that was Mary. She knew that Jesus said at meat in the Pharisee's house, and brought an alabaster box of ointment. I want to take a moment here today, and and I don't know how far I'll get past this point. We'll play it by ear. But I want to give you really my essence for this message today right in the middle of it. I want everybody to listen very carefully. And just for a moment, I'd like for everybody in the building to put yourself in the category that I'm about to describe and see you do a mental assessment of how you respond to it. Jesus is sitting in the house of Simon the leper. Some believe that this is a leper that Jesus had cleansed. The Bible doesn't specifically say that, but I believe it to be true because he had people in his house and that was forbidden back in those days, especially that he was a Pharisee. Luke calls him a Pharisee. Jesus said at meat in the Pharisee's house. If this is true, that Simon was a leper cleansed by Jesus, 
and that he was a was a Pharisee, then he has two awesome reasons to have Jesus come to his house. And I think it's interesting. Let's talk about it. It's one thing to be cleansed of leprosy, but it's a whole nother ball game to be cured of Phariseeism, and I don't know which is the more difficult. Phariseeism, well, let me back up just a minute. I want to get, to get ahead of myself. Jesus had already made the statement that he didn't come to minister to the Pharisees. He had already made that clear because he realized they were pretty much hopeless. I'm just, am I being too honest and too real here this morning? Why bother? Okay. But yet he transcended the hypocrisy of this man's position to minister to his needs. Leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. It's unclean. It's not a disease. It's considered an uncleanness. You're not healed of it. You're cleansed of it. It's a type of sin. When you're born again into the kingdom, you repent of your sin, and then they're washed away in baptismal water. You're cleansed of sin. And so you're cleansed of leprosy. I don't know what to say about Jesus taking care of the Pharisee issue. I'm not sure I know what bracket to put that in as far as a description. But somehow the man was converted from sin and Phariseeism. He got cleansed of both. Phariseeism is religious tradition practiced in a hypocritical way. Phariseeism is full of judgmentalism. It's the Pharisee that disdains people of lesser quality and character than he, even though he has no quality and character. Phariseeism's motto is don't do as I say do, just do what I, or don't do as I do, just do what I tell you to do. It's the ultimate hypocrisy. And they're stuck, the Pharisees are stuck in a 2,000 year old time warp. Their total MO is based on the law of Moses. We're going to do what the law of Moses told us to do. I don't care what John the Baptist said, and now they've reached a point, and this is where you and I have to be careful, I don't care what Jesus says. The Pharisees oftentimes challenged Jesus and said, Abraham was our father, who are you? And Jesus made that incredible eternal statement. I believe in the book of John when he said, thank you, when he said, before Abraham was, The answer is I am. Before Abraham was, <clears throat> we have to understand here today, 
And we can all testify and we can sing and shout and dance, and we should, over our conversion from sin. But some of us needs to be saved out of our old traditional religious form of mentality that we got stuck in and that we are stuck in. Whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not, God's church is moving on into a climate and an environment that we're not accustomed to and we don't really like it. And we don't like it no more than the Pharisees like John the Baptist either. But John the Baptist was sent from God. John the Baptist was sent from God to bottom line say, the days of Moses are over. Get over it. Literally, the whole book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Orthodox people who could not accept Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and the writers explaining to them that the law of Moses was never to be practiced forever. It was only a pattern. It was only a type, an example. But now that example is here. It's a fulfillment. It's a reality. And you need to embrace it with all of your might. I keep the list in my notebook and to spare you from being too long here today is churches that are stuck in the 80s and I have that list of why they get stuck there and they're not growing they're dying it is startling when you consider that there's over a thousand Protestant churches a month that die and only, it's only an exceptional few that actually grows in proportion to the population growth of their city. But we want to stay like that. <laughs> Let us die a slow death, Pastor. And keep us on life support as long as possible. As a matter of fact, only the rapture will unplug us. My heart's heavy this morning. We need to break the box again. Break the box. I teach it and preach and teach and preach and teach and preach. And there's just some folks. You're going to keep your little box. You're going to keep it forever. Not realizing that its greatest value is not when it's possessed on top of your dresser, but when it's brought to the feet of Jesus and broken. That's when it becomes most valuable. If we could just turn loose of some things. And it's amazing that it's our insecurities that keep us secure. So, back to my message. A friend who has much to be thankful for. Delivered, cured, cleansed from leprosy and Phariseeism. Invites Jesus and his disciples to come to his house for dinner. I'm encouraged that Jesus still visits Pharisees. Do that again, Josh. Do that again. Louder, louder. 
There you go. Thank you. I got applause from one about being thankful that Jesus visits the house of Pharisees. It's people who run high-octane religion through their veins all the time. And I'm a child of God. And I've been in the way for years. And you don't know Jesus when he stands on your doorstep. God help us today to embrace Jesus at whatever level of revelation he wants to reveal himself to us. God help us today. In Jesus' name. So, Jesus is nice and invites his disciples to come with him to this momentous occasion. I'm having a hard time getting to my focus today, which is the woman who broke the alabaster box. My focus right now is on Simon, the leper slash Pharisee. He comes to his house, and, and I'm sure that Simon has made sure the food's right, everything's right, like it's supposed to be. And as was the custom... The servants had washed Jesus' feet when he arrived and had anointed him with oil, as was the custom when dignitaries came to dine. Listen to pastor today. Everything had been done to Jesus that was supposed to have been done before the nameless woman arrived with her alabaster box. So in our little program and in our little schedule, we've already worshiped Jesus. Everything's been done, Pastor, that we can do for Jesus. Really? You think? See, there's more components in this story than we have time for this morning. It's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that the Pharisees, and the disciples wasn't far out of that notch themselves. When she broke the box, why wasn't this sold for 300 pence statement was made or question was asked? There's a tone in that question that caused that a waste because his feet have already been washed. It's not that his feet has been washed. It's who's been willing to do it. See, these folks were willing to wash his feet this morning. They do that every Sunday. Do you? Are you willing? Jesus, I'm sorry I'm a little bit late on understanding this. And I'm sorry I'm a little bit late in arriving. And I don't understand all of the customs and what the law of Moses says. But I'm here today to wash your feet like they've never been washed before. His feet was washed at the beginning of that meal through ceremonial practices. This woman came and washed his feet to get him ready to buy our redemption.
When was the last time you worshiped in such a fashion that someone else might be born again as a result of it? It's time to break the box. See, we do our little... Sit down and be still. Honey, what are we doing after church for lunch today? Cafe Phoenicia? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, his feet are getting washed. But his feet were washed by slaves. They were washed by servants. They did it because they had to. But their heart was a million miles away. I would to God somebody could understand. Just one time, could you come to the house of God? Pastor preaches this all the time and interrupt the service. I crave sometimes for somebody just to interrupt the preaching, interrupt the song service. Don't do it for a show. Don't do it because you want to be seen, but because something wells up on the inside and you think to yourself, there's somebody sitting on the other side of the building that needs something from God. So I'm going to do my best to create an environment where they can receive that from God. Somebody needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to create that environment. What Judas didn't realize is God had created an environment for him to get his heart right, and he missed it. And it happened at least twice. At least twice. Does anybody understand I wonder if there's anybody here right now that just feels that overwhelming. What was his name? He was in the new issue, Sister Yvonne, years ago at the first church. Uh, He converted from Trinitarianism and he would write periodicals all the time. Can't think of it. Frank Ewart. And he said, sometimes I just have to let a hallelujah out. If I don't, I feel like I'm going to explode. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning. His feet has already been washed. And all of that formality has already been done. We've gone through the ceremony. But somebody else has come with an alabaster box. And I just can't wait anymore. I just can't take it out. I can't wait anymore. I don't care who's here. The board might be here. The disciples might be here. Even the betrayer might be here. But I can't help it. I've got something that I've got to pour out on him. Somebody take advantage of this moment. Take advantage of this moment and praise him. Worship him. Break the box. Break the box. I don't need a piano playing. I don't need a worship team singing. Not in this moment. I don't care if I'm being judged by somebody. There's something on the inside of me. I've got to worship him. I've got to worship him. I've got to worship him. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Hello, Moshe, Yolo, Yolo, Moshe, Yolo, Moshe.
I'm pouring out my love on you. I'm pouring out my praise on you. I'm pouring out my commitment to you. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Even though you've already gone through the ritual and the ceremony, do you have something else? Come on, keep worshiping. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Worship him. Who told you all my show? No, you're not my way. Hell, I'm going show you all my somebody to break the box here this morning. Break the box. Go for it. Go for it. God, I'm going to the next level. God, I'm going to the next level. God, I'm taking it to the next level. I'm going to break the box. I'm leaving a broken box at your feet. <laughs> 